0: Hey, Gretchen, you don't have to worry about getting too much sleep this week. i got so much for you to do. I'll get her back in gear. I (laughs) just want to thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, Holiday weekends are always, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, we've had a great holiday weekend. But before the holiday weekend started, before this whole week going, Tuesday we had uh, Good News Club at Neil Armstrong, and two more kids came to know Christ as their Savior. I think that's about eight kids so far this year at Good News Club. Uh, then you count all the other things that are going on, and we're over 40 kids uh, have received Christ as our Savior through our outreaches through the schools this year. And I know it's, it's hard to see because don't, they don't come here all the time, but you just need to know you're having a huge impact in this community because of the, the work that's being done and how you support things. All right, if you will, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're going to be verses 14 to 30. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. The Bible says this. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them over five talents. And likewise, he that had two received two also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I know thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, uh, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not, shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew. Big passage. Deep subject. But let me back up a little bit before we get going. How many of y'all uh, went out Black Friday and went shopping? How many went out Thursday and went shopping? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And how many of you spent more money than you should have? Somebody's out there is not going to really admit that, right? Oh, man. I remember I remember the kid I went to college with, a young guy. He just got started. And, and uh, I don't know that this happens so much today, but this kid got him a checking account. And uh, he started writing checks. And all of a sudden, the bank is getting a hold of, of uh, the school, and saying, you know, this kid's bouncing checks. So, one of the leaders went and had a council with him and said, "Hey, you, you can't be writing checks. You're out of money." The kid goes, "No, I'm not. Look at all these checks I have left." <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have that problem now. We just have debit cards, and we just keep pushing that thing in and keep. Getting. Yeah, listen, you know. <laughs> I'm going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about the hardest things preachers have to talk about, and that's money. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get all the, All the preachers ever do is talk about money. Listen to this, though. John MacArthur, he's an incredible Bible teacher and pastor. He, he said this, 16 out of the 38 of Christ's parables deal with money. More is said in the New Testament about money than heaven and hell combined. Five times more is said about money than prayer. And while there are 500 plus verses on both prayer and faith, there are over 2,000 verses dealing with money and possessions. I think it might be important about money. If the Bible talks so much about that, if Jesus talks so much about money, we might ought to talk about that a little bit too. Here's the Here's the, you know why I think you talk so much about money? Because I can see everybody right now squishing down, getting that wallet, pushing it down so nobody can get to it. Money gets our attention. Either we don't have it and we want more, or we have more and we want more, or it, but money does get our attention. Now, I, I know if you're a Bible, you guys from Pensacola, you probably have this down. You know this parable of talents is primarily about the return of Jesus Christ. And and the, and the, the fact that that we're accountable to Jesus. We're accountable for the decisions that we make in our life regarding really our time and our treasure and our talents. Romans fourteen twelve, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And that's not the, the people who don't know God, that's us who know God. We will talk we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account of what we've done with our lives for his glory. And we'll either be, we will receive, well, we'll receive blessings, we'll receive crowns, we'll be honored, and then we'll have the honor of giving those back to the Lord. So really what I want to talk to you about today, you're going to start with the real basics, it's called stewardship. Now I know that's not a word that's used much today. Let's say manager. You might get a better better idea. It's a, and, and here's really a... a a good definition of stewardship or management of what God's given. It is using God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. A guy named Ron Blue wrote that. He was a, an incredible guy. He, he, was, he was Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey was. So some of y'all know who that is. Ron Blue wrote a lot of books on, on money. So it's taking care of what God given you and Taking what he's given you and using it for his glory. That's managing what God's given us to us. Or the biblical term is stewardship. So this morning I just want to give you a few principles here about stewardship. How to take care of not only the money, but our time and the gifts, the talents that we have. Don't get confused. The talents in this passage is money but we do have talents that God gives us. We're, we have spiritual gifts, and we are going to be accountable for how we've used those gifts too. So I don't want to just focus on money. I want to focus on everything. And the first point you need to know, it's the big number one, is that God owns everything. Look at Matthew twenty five fourteen. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Before we can handle money, before we can really handle our time, before we can handle our, 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 our gifts and talents and make wise choices, we need to start with the premise that, that's really taught throughout God's Word, and that is that God is the owner of all things. 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 and 12. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the uh, majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee and thou reignest over all and in thine hand is power and might and and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein god owns everything a couple little points under that first god has the right to whatever he wants you realize that he owns it also he has the right to it that means that in a relationship in the relationship to all that you have god has owner's rights and you and i are left with the responsibility of managing it, or taking care of it, whatever he's entrusted. If you walk around the house you live in, well, maybe it's that you and the bank own. The bank owns more of my house than I do right now. You should realize that the dirt that that house has been on, that that dirt's been there a long time. It was a long time before your house was built on that dirt. And you know what? A long time after your house is gone, that dirt's going to be there. And who made the dirt? God. So we're just borrowing this stuff. You, you don't own it. We're only possessing it for a short time. And this is really a great truth because when you lose something, you should really count it to be the Lord's right to take whatever it is. You guys know what a title search is? It, it wasn't that long ago we closed on a house and they had to do a title search and all that to make sure it was really owned and this and that. The idea, though, is that title search, somebody owned that property before, somebody's going to more than likely own that property at another time, and it's still God. God owns the land. He was here before anyone else, and he's going to be here after everyone else, so he has the right to ask whatever he wants of us. Second, let's get this. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision you start that God owns everything, then you and that that He has a right to whatever He wants, then you you'll understand that every time you spend money, it's a spiritual decision. Okay, let's go back to this shopping thing. I know I'm in the. I went on Friday too. I bought Zachary some presents, and I bought Laurel a present, and other presents are coming in the mail because we did it on online i still got a few to go but you know what? we have to budget every time we go and, and figure out christmas and that seems to be a time where people overspend and overindulge and and i'm probably going to do the same thing on oh, my grandson i'll probably overindulge for him everybody else we got a set price that we have to spend for them grandson he's going to get i don't know what he's going to get but it's going to be good i got to call the other grandparents to make sure i can you know i don't buy the same thing they do but it's got to be just as cool as whatever they get but every time we make a purchase, every time we spend money, you have to understand that's a spiritual decision. I used to sell cars. That's what got me through Bible college. I sold cars. And people would come in and, you know, and we'd go through all the stuff and, and they get to the place and we'd get the deal almost made and they say, Well, I need to go home and pray about it. Now, some of those people were honest Christians and they were they were just they were really did want to go pray for about it. But others were just lying because they, they used that as an excuse to get out. And I used to say, well, let's, let's pray right here. I found out who was real serious then. But that's the right thing to do. By the way, if you go car hunting, you do your praying before you go to the lot. Okay, You, have, you should have everything already there. I used to teach how to buy a car. Um, I wouldn't try to do that today. But listen, you should have that decision made. You should be prayed up before you go to spend that money. Before you go to buy that new washer and dryer, or whatever that next purchase will be. If it's big purchase, definitely pray about it. But you know what? You really ought to pray about the small purchases too because it is a spiritual decision. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I can tell a whole lot about you if I looked at your checkbook register. Those of you who keep a checkbook register. I can tell where you spend your money. You want to look at mine? I pay my normal bills. I pay, I give. And then everything else is Publix. (laughs) My favorite store. (laughs) Isn't it obvious? (laughs) But listen, we have to realize and we have to be encouraged that everything we do is a spiritual decision when it comes to money. Third, (laughs) well, I just kind of hit that point. The way you spend reveals the real you. Hey, just like all my money's at Publix it's for food and for food and, well, there's some little stuff I get my wife there uh, every now and then, but for food. See, you can fake your li- way through life when it regards many issues. I mean, you can you can fake prayer, you can fake attendance, you can fake all sorts of stuff in your spiritual life, but you can't fake stewardship. You can't Fake that managing of your your money. You can't fake that managing of your time and you can't fake that managing of your, your talents. You see, your goals, your priorities, your relationships, your convictions, how you use your time will all show up in how you spend your money. All right. Second point. Big point. God uses money to grow us verse 21, Matthew 25. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I, I really like this principle. In fact, I love this principle. And, and it's really at the heart of what I want our ministry to be. And what we are, we are here to do Our time here on earth is temporary. You know, I'm seeing more and more of that. I'm feeling more and more of that. My kids <laughs> mentioned over Thanksgiving, the ones who were here, that you sure I've gotten mellow. Um, Marcus brought his dog over, and uh, his dog saw a squirrel and jumped over a generator through a screen to try to get to that squirrel. Earlier, he he busted out. She busted out another screen trying to get to a dog. And then she scratches the screen, hoping to get to the squirrel. And you know what? It didn't bother me a bit. I, dogs do that stuff. Now, my kids were just, especially Laurel, she just thought I was going to hit the roof. I didn't. I don't know. must be getting old and, and mellow, or I don't know. But what I think really what it is, is I'm finding out that life is too short to worry about some of those little things, to get all in a, in a mess over some little things. It just isn't worthwhile. I just went and bought the screen and made Marcus fix it. See, our time here really is is for training and for preparation for eternity. The very heart of the parable is that God has entrusted with us his resources and and, and is going to measure what we do with what he has given us. And he expects us to grow. Not just our money, not just, but our time, our talents, all the stuff he's given us, all the, the gifts he's given us, all the abilities he's given us, how we manage those things, how we take care of those things. It, it, it's, it's training for eternity. And he expects us to grow. One of the saddest things I see as a pastor are people who have been in church for years and years and years and years and they're still spiritually very young they never grow they never mature those are the people i upset a lot and i say crazy things sometimes but we are to grow each of those three stewards were entrusted with talents they, they differed in amounts they were given to the to them by the lord and they were to be used to work for his glory. This is really an important principle because managing your money or or what you do with it is important whether you make a little or a lot. That means that our possessions, everything that God has given to us, including wealth, become an effective way for God to grow us in our relationship with him. Every time we bought a house, Lindsay and I have said, This house is to use for the Lord. And I know many people here have that same, that same thought process. Hey, our house is the Lord's. We use it to be a blessing. And, and we do. We open our house up to do all sorts of things, even sometimes when we don't feel like it. I you am know, feeling this week I'm going to have a whole bunch of teenagers over there on Thursday night. Okay, we'll be good. It'll be good. Listen, it grows us. It's not how much you have; it's what you do with what you have. God wants us to be content. He's more interested in our contentment and our godliness than he is in our financial situation. And that's why the Bible puts so much, so much emphasis on contentment. Philippians four eleven. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. By the way, it's sometimes a whole lot easier. To handle poverty than it is prosperity. Have you notice that? It seems like the more prosperous we get, sometimes the less we less well we handle things. When we grow to the place where God can trust us, He will give us greater opportunity for usefulness in His kingdom. It's been said, and you've heard that over and over for a lot of years. If we take care of what God gives us, he'll give us more. That's biblical. And when we don't take care of what God gives us, why should he give us more? That's why you see piles of bushes out there, and you're going to see all sorts of things. If you go to this back building, Bob has been back there laying carpet this last week, and he's going to lay some tile, and, we're met, and we had the building fixed, and we've got to take care of the things God has given us so that we can use them for his glory. See, God uses money to grow us. Ask yourself this question. Am I a better steward of what God has given me than I was a year ago? What do I have to do to grow as a steward? How do you want to handle these things? All right, third point. We've got to roll. God expects the same from us regarding, regardless of our wealth. Matthew 25, 23. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Listen, in our mixed up world, we're always comparing ourselves to others. I'm poor compared to probably everybody in here. That's just kidding. But you see how we do those things? Well, he's really rich. Why is he really rich? He has a new car. Well, he's probably in for that new car. How do you know he's really rich? Who's got more money than me? How do you know? I drive old beat-up cars. I'd rather live in something nice than drive something nice. <laughs> Listen, we got to quit comparing ourselves. According to the Bible, it, it's not a wise thing for us to do. In fact, it's dangerous. When you get on that path, you start looking at others and, and making decisions based on what you, well, how you think that you compare. That old keeping up with the Joneses, Well, i got to have what they have. Larry, my son is going to come look at your guitar. He's going to get green with envy. And he's going to convince Katie that he needs one. He can sell her anything. I'm going to have to try to explain to him, you wait. You've waited a lot of years to get that guitar. He's going to have to wait a lot of years. (laughs) Listen, we got to quit comparing ourselves. I know uh, as we were growing up, I look back and and how did we live with one bathroom in the house and six kids? Well, didn't wasn't six kids in my family. There was was three, but I don't know how we lived with that. We grew up in Florida. We didn't have air conditioning. How in the world do we live through that? Fans. You know, I look at our kids, though, as they grew up and as they went into adulthood, they expected to have everything already that took us years to work for. See, we, we start comparing, well, I've got to have what mom and dad does now. Bad thing to do puts us in a lot of trouble, puts why we have a generation that is so messed up financially. They don't know how to handle money because they're trying to get it all now. God expects the same regardless of our wealth. That's why there's that great story about the widow and her mite. Actually, she threw in two mites. She came and and they were giving money at the at the temple, and there were people just giving out of their abundance and giving out of her abundance, and and this little lady comes and gives two mites. My wife has a has a ring with a, a widow's mite on it. A little, little tiny thing. You can get them all over Israel. I don't know how many of them are real or You never know. You have to get get them certified. But those mites, just two little mites. And Jesus complimented that woman and honored that woman saying, she gave all. She gave of her poverty. I see gifts that come in, been receptive of of gifts that came here. And I know what a sacrifice it is for some to give. And I'm thinking, wow, was God ever going to bless them? You see, it's it's not about how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. Number four, real faith requires real action. Matthew 25, verses 24 to 30. I'm not going to read all of those. But you know the story. I have just read it. It, it, it comes in, and, and the guy that has one talent, he was afraid of his master so he hid it and he came back and given it back and the master goes, you should have given it to the, those, uh, the money changers and got usury Okay, that's putting it in the bank and getting your little bit of interest that you get in a savings account today I don't know there's not much interest in there but at least it's something this guy didn't do anything and, and he and the Bible says that, that it takes faith to do this This last principle will help you in managing your finances. It'll help you to be a good steward. It's found in this thought. It doesn't matter what what you know, but what you do with what you know. You can sit silently in your seat. You can agree with me. You could even say amen to the preaching. I hadn't heard too many of those this morning. But if you really believe what I'm talking about, you'll do something about managing that which God has entrusted with you. It's not enough to know what we're supposed to do. We're called to act. The three men were all given wealth and had an obligation to act in faith with what the Lord had given to them. The third steward knew, yet he didn't act on what he knew. The real lesson behind stewardship and the handling of our money, the handling of our time, the handling of our talents, is we must be willing to trust God with our finances, with our time, with our talents, and act in faith on what He has told us to do. It's not enough that you know that God can supply your needs. Or that you believe that giving is the way to blessing. It takes faith to act upon the truth found in God's word. James two eighteen, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Do you believe God enough to let him have control over the financial decisions, the time decisions and your talents that you make? Do you believe God enough to invest in the kingdom of God by giving? Listen, what we've done is just today is just talked about the basic principle of stewardship. If you're struggling with this, this, this issue of stewardship, biblical stewardship, biblical management, then it, it may be that you've never settled the ultimate question of lordship. I was saved for quite a few years before I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I had received salvation, but I had not surrendered to his lordship. You may be here this morning And you're saved. You know Christ as your Savior. But that's about as far as you've gone. Maybe this morning you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're so valuable that he paid for your redemption with the life and death, the shed blood of Jesus. You can respond to him, to his love in your life today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're missing out on the most amazing things in the world. To be forgiven of all your sins. To know that you have a place in heaven. That you'll never be judged for the wrong things you've done. You'll only be rewarded for the things you have done. That comes by knowing Christ as your Savior. You see, He died on the cross, He was buried, and He rose again to pay for our sins, to pay the penalty for our wrongdoing. And as we you ask, oh, how are all these kids getting saved? It's because they have faith and they understand that to receive Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is admit. That you're a sinner, that you've messed up. And believe that Jesus died on the cross and and rose again to pay for your sins. And third, to call on him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You may be here this morning and you believe all you need to know, all you need to believe to know Christ, but maybe you've never called on him. Maybe it's a head knowledge and not a heart. Today with your heart, reach out and call on him. Maybe you all are really good stewards, and I know there's some great stewards in here. You all take care of things. I want to help us as this, as a, as a church family be good stewards of what God's given us. He's given us incredible buildings, incredible land, incredible facilities to be used to reach out. Help us take care of those things. Help us manage those things. Help me manage those things. I'm not a CEO. I'm a pastor. Some of you have much more knowledge than me. And I'm open to listen. Help us. Take care of what God's given us so we can get more. I love seeing people come to know Christ. But I don't want it to stop. I want to see more and more and more. I want to see these seats full, full, full. As we make disciples, we make disciples. Let's pray.